Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. Tonight, we have a special guest with us, Superfly. We're hopefully covering the history of FPV, followed by some frames, maybe touching on a bit of tuning, hearing the other side. Um, We are joined by our lovely man with the moustache, Stephen. Hello, good evening, everyone. Yep. I'm sorry for denying your special guest at your birthday. This show will be all yours. You will oh, you yes. can you can tell me to shut up if you want at any time. <laughs> I feel I, I feel obliged. Um it was lovely catching up with you on Wednesday, by the way. Um yes. uh, everyone's favourite curry kitten. Hello. Uh my buddy Cole. Howdy. If you're a tall building, you better look out. And I've been bright until I fly. And we are joined, of course, by Superfly. Hello, yes. Also known as Stephen Wright or Steve. Yeah, it's going to be a bit confusing because we've already got a Steve. You can call (laughs) me Stephen and him Steve if that works. Which it does. Yeah, we, we've we've only got a Stephen. I don't think I've ever called him Steve before. I think we've reached like critical mass of Steves in beta flight at one point. It was yeah. where there's like five a lot of British. We got three British Steves in the Superflight development group, which is quite unusual. This is not that massively common name, but and also Stephen's name. I spell my name like that as well. So, but yeah, most people friends call me Steve, and that's that's how I kind of that's how I roll. Um, Superfly yeah, is. Sorry, that's yeah. the business. Though, it's um, it's not really even my pilot name. I don't, I don't have one because I'm more interested in the other stuff, really. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. One can be Stephen. One can be Stefan. I'm routinely Stefan whenever working with people from uh, like Eastern Europe or India or anywhere that's not the UK. It's always Stefan, Stefan. <laughs> yeah. Awkward pause at the end like that. Not sure what to do with it. It's a, it's a common problem for Stevens. Hmm. So, yeah. tell us how you found out about FPV. Let's start at the start. Right, well, um, yeah, I mean, the the kind of weird thing is that I feel like, I, in, in terms of coming across people, that I'm I'm sort of becoming like one of the old people within the sphere, which is a, a sort of worry a little bit. But um, I started... You know, there are a lot of people before me, um, but I started around uh, 2014, 2015, and um, I paid for someone to build a ZMR250 for me. So, I mean, I don't know what you think, Stephen, but it seems to me that the whole mini quad thing took off, um, no pun intended, 
with the the Blackout 300. I think it was 300. Yeah. Um, and that was what people called a mini quad. Um, and, like a six-inch uh, and then, drop mini quad, because everything was else was just yeah, gigantic think, before then. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I looked at those designs, and I'm I'm a bit blind to it. Like uh, Jack and Curry, they were they were flying tricopters and much earlier stuff. I looked at the designs, which had kind of car or plane motors with like bullet connectors for the motors. And where I was living at the time, I just went, no, I can't do that at all. This is terrible. So I went off into the weeds and like flew cheap hub sand kit and other kind of budget brushed solutions for a couple of years until things got down to the point where I could build like a three inch quad. And then I started getting into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's quite easy to, well, a lot of people haven't seen, you know, just how difficult it was when we started. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to have a crack at it myself was because it just seemed so insane. Like when I first built a ZMR, there was no camera mount and the cameras were so different to each other. One of them had a board on the back and was just completely exposed PCB with the, you know, it's like the pre HS117, whatever. Um, yeah, Sony 600 cams, weren't they? Currently, that's right, no. Yeah. But some of the, but they didn't yeah. even have pace to start with. So you, people were literally like Oscar Liang, like he was, he was there, you know, quite early on as well, obviously, and he was just hot gluing them in and stuff like that. I mean, it was so primitive um, and difficult, really, to get going. Um, and all the flat, yeah, this is exactly it. <laughs> difficult. And Does this bring back any memories? Look at yeah, that camera it. angle. No tilt. No <laughs> yes, tilt. No but yeah, this is the Sony. I forgot what the sensor was. It, but this was this was a massive upgrade because this is a Sony CCD sensor, and before that, the the CMOS sensors back in the day were awful. You got yeah. super yellow. So when the CCD cameras came out, these board cameras, which were old security cameras, that was that was seen as a, a major step upwards. This is my ZMR two hundred and fifty. Um, yeah, I mean, complete I with four thing. miles of cable. <laughs> yeah, is it true you didn't need to mushroom antenna and the sort of you know the the way the the antennas mounted? You'd like you build one, you get really excited, you take it out, you have one crash and it's broken, and it was it was really quite painful um, to start off with. Like, um, yeah, uh, and not they weren't very powerful either. That's, is uh, that why you didn't all... need camera tilt because you just build it, go out, fly it, take off, and crash before you ever got to fly forwards. Yeah. Yeah, this, well, this thing much. flew on a, a 3S and the, the good old Gen Fan 5030 props, rate. which flex like that. And yeah. if you go into a dive, you have to think about three seconds before, oh, I need to pull up, and then you go full throttle, and then it slowly comes around like that. You had to think some, some time ahead when you were flying these, but they were still... A major upgrade over what had come before and there was there was something in the middle i, I remember the blackout as well because like the zmr was a, a clone of it but somebody bought out something and i'm trying to think of it and i can't remember it was rc groups and it's kind of like you could take the motors from the the smaller dji the 330 and put it on this and it was kind of a, an intermediate much more acrobatic frame and i, I can't remember and that was before it went proper mini quad with the blackout I wonder what that was. I can't remember what that I'll was. See, I'll see if I can find it. I remember it. It was, was it the it disc was... kit or something. Meanwhile, while while Curry tries to find dead RC Wasn't group threads from the turn of the century, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's carry go on. Back to Steve. So where were we? 
somewhere around. Seven yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. When we discussed this, I was thinking, you know, the interesting things is what's what were the um, frames that. I mean, it's a bit of a hackney phrase, but what were the game-changing frames? What were the frames that that actually <clears throat> had a significant impact on the hobby? And I would say, I mean, the blackout was the first mini quad frame, and that's that's when the kind of the whole term mini quad came, and you had people like Boris B flying them and Metal Danny, um, you know, cool guys like that. Um, and then, but then. You know, it was clones, and then there was the alien. You know, and I, I think minion, the alien by Impulse RC, yeah. So that that yeah. I mean, when when um, Final Gliders turned up at that the first race meet, and won with the alien, and everyone was like, "What's that frame? What's that frame?" And um, yeah, I would say that the majority of the frames where we are now have been influenced by the alien. Um, and I, you know, I think impulse RC deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, I mean, obviously I'm a freestyler, so, so I, I view that as a kind of seminal frame. Um, but it and, was warp quad who made that though. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't the designer, but I thought it was a guy called Soma who designed it. Yeah. That was warp quad, wasn't it? Right. I think. I can't remember. I'd have to... Because that, that was the initial... The, uh, yeah, initial X. Oh, yeah, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because pr prior to that, um, I mean, the, the arm configuration on the ZMR250 was absurd. I mean, you use four screws um, for each arm, and they didn't, they didn't connect. Um, it was kind of... It was almost like an H configuration. Um, and yeah, and the alien, you know, was the first to come out, um, which had, you know, so as a, as an X, um, it's completely butted up, um, you know, and now, now most, well, now they're, now they're coming up with a slightly, slightly alternatives. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah. We, we got to we got to say that, um, Chad Nowak was like banging the drum for alien, uh, before, um, still won that race because they were doing the whole like six and seven inch with like the that angle tilting servo. Well, I, thought, I thought Chad won it though. That's why I said. Yeah, oh, I thought yeah, he was still won it. Oh, my mistake. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was because it's an Australian. Was it Australian? They based in Australia, but I thought. Yeah, I think so. A guy was called Sean, I think, but I don't, I don't know him very well. Yeah, Sean Blakemore. And he's is he Australian? I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. What else? <laughs> well, the, the arms, right? So everything was six inch then. People started with six inch. It was just easier to drive with less powerful motors. You could. You know, get a decent amount of flight time, albeit you couldn't really do aggressive moves. And <clears throat> that seemed to go pretty quickly. That was one of the first things to change, along with motors getting more powerful. People decided to go for power instead of efficiency, and everything's been five-inch since then. And I notice on your site you've got five, five-and-a-half, and, and six-inch options, and you've got dead cat options at five and five-and-a-half. Like you cover everything. So 
do you still see pilots flying six inch? Well, yeah, to be totally honest with you, I mean, it's mostly people, it's just kind of overwhelmingly five inch. Um, and I, I was last year just kind of basically only only sticking to, to five at that point um, because, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was pretty rare. I mean, it's pretty rare people would go six inch and seven inch. We're talking about maybe 5%. Um, but um, yeah, the 5.5 inch thing, I think because the hero cameras have become heavier. heavier. Yeah. yeah, and Chris Rosser made a video talking about um, you know, 5.5 being good for uh, for hero cameras, which kind of popularized it a bit more, I think. And um, yeah, and so people started asking about it. Um, and yeah, I just kind of trying to, I put a poll up, I try and kind of make decisions through polls, because um, otherwise you just kind of think that what you like is the best. Um, but um, yeah, I, I had quite a few people you know, I got the five inch dead cats and then people start asking me 5.5 inch dead cats. So I just kind of, it's, I think my worry is it's a little bit overwhelming to be presented with the, those kind of choices. People don't sort of think, well, what, which one should I get? Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's there at the moment. It's a fairly recent thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, the option is there. And, um, unfortunately for 5.5 inch, there's not that many props out there. Um, it sort of hasn't, doesn't feel like it's caught on, you know, in terms of the manufacturers providing, you know, um, props for it. But um, yeah. How do you do your dead cats? Are you just changing the arm length or do you change the X geometry as well? I'm just, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to check. You ha no, I'm not just elongating the arms. Uh, you have to position, you know, um, a motor a uh, certain way. And then you automatically get because of where you're putting them, you're pulling the front motors um, kind of rearward, um, and then um, you obviously have to then move the, the rear ones, and it ends up looking like a dead cat. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it. It actually it had a bit of a bad reputation, dead cat. But it, it flies. You know, the feedback I'm getting on them is, is pretty good. Mm. Um, and really, for people who are just wanting to do kind of cruising cinematic video, right. which is the reason why you use it, because it's just put, making sure that props are completely out of view, especially for O3 users as well, um, DJI O3, who, who just want to make sure they've got zero prop in the view. Um, they're spot on. So, yeah, I should um, I should have mentioned that. Yeah, for, for O3 users, they, they mm. you know, people want no prop in view. So, um, so yeah, just the options are there. I, I do feel that DeadCat got a bad reputation maybe five years ago when flight control software was in its infancy. And uh, I've got a few myself. And if I fly them really aggressively, then I can bring out prop wash easier on a DeadCat than I can on a regular X. But you, you have to really slam it down hard into dirty air to do that mm. these days. Like you can get away with almost all types of flying. I mean, I'm talking like doing like aggressive split test turns and then just going from zero throttle to slam full throttle. And you can get a little bit of a wobble, whereas maybe like a, a more robust freestyle X-frame would just be like still dead and it would just be nice and smooth doing that. But you can fly around that so easily with the dead cat. I think that reputation's ill-deserved, but it's still there. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you about that. I mean, I also, you know, I... 
hate to be cynical, but I'm suspicious of whether people who used to complain about them just had a good tune on them, you know, because it's it's really a tuning matter, I think. I mean, there's not, you know, there's not any real, you know, it's not a terrible reason why it should perform so badly compared to, to normal. I mean, it's just a, there's a change in the CG a bit. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, tuning is much better now. Also, I have a. I think that a lot of people were flying seven-inch dead cat, and that is quite. That's a stretch. Like in terms of how big the prop disc is, and how far you have to move everything basically to get it out of view. Um, I think maybe that that's a bit more tricky. I don't. Well, I assume you don't change the body if you're just pushing the arms out further to make a seven-inch with the same kind of body that you have a five-inch. That that's going to get distorted. Yeah. I mean, you can you can change the body. I mean, but even if you look at the, the what's it called, the LR, what's that uh, open source frame that um, a lot of people have? The Fal no, it's not Falcon. It's um, seven inch long range of frame. It's, it's very well known. Um, I mean, they have a whole custom body, but I mean, it's still dead cat. Um, but um, anyway, we've got a couple of people in chat uh, saying that they they want to fly six inch, which is interesting. Um, lack of good props. Um, that's one thing that people are commenting on. <laughs> yeah, Fedorov doesn't like the name Dead Cat. Yeah, well, he's he a likes cat. cats. He's a cat yeah. person. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's named after Oval, isn't it? Because he wanted to fly with Orville. Orville yeah, Orville. Because I wanted to fly. I'm sort of butchering the accent. Fly with the birds. <laughs> uh, I, um, oh, yeah, Orville was a bird. So how's that Dead Cat? <laughs> he was a cat. Also, was a cat who was no, later was an art cat. installation. Yeah, a taxidermic cat that was built into a quad. You're not talking about Orville the puppet. You're talking about no, Orville the, 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 the Dutch art installation who uh, was turned yeah, into that's a flying different. machine. Yeah, he was a cat. We love you, Jack. Oh, that's nice. Oh, we love you, Steve. Oh, wow. Gav is putting a lot of love into the chat. Yeah. Yeah, um, we just had a uh, go nuts FPV talking about FPV Drone Fest 23. Last week, so uh, yeah, big up to go nuts FPV. Oh right, yeah, he's done FPV that. Drone I thought fest. I ought to get a plug in there because um, because Superfly is one of the many sponsors for that event. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, do, you, do you remember this? Uh, uh, yeah. No one wants to remember this. Right, yeah. it gets worse. Hang on, so you got the QAV uh, the Emacs one as well. What about the Emacs one? Oh yeah, that I man, I hated that, but. It got worse because you had this arm extension. Oh, the extension, yeah, nice. oh, well, I've got one of those somewhere. For me, that was a, that was an expensive frame. That was like whew, Lumineer. You know, that was they were asking big bucks for that. Um, when you first start out, you know, um, well, let's just say you are buying slightly cheaper frames. Yeah, you get Look what it was that. on sale at China. Oh my word! It was like it was a war crime, and they were angled as well. I think I'm they look like that. that. That's precisely a one crash frame right there. Well, look at it, the, the cutouts on the arms. That's a funny comment Terrible. from Chrissy. I've got to read this out. Chrissy, <laughs> Chrissy's saying, "What's a what's a cat got to do with it?" Ha ha. ha. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then Crying says, "That's literally where the name came from." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yep. Um, there was a, for those who haven't realised, there was a, an art installation. Someone who turned taxidermid animals into uh, into RC cars and aircraft. 
and there was uh, there was a cat who got in the press for being it turned into a quadcopter. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if I was a cat lover, I'd be offended by that, but I found it funny. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cat lover as well, but you know, I think my cats can stand up for themselves. They're uh, they're all flawed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, as long as he died of natural causes and wasn't just short steps into. I think that guy got a lot of grief for that. Yeah, He's I bet a you a lot weird. of activists were like, "Hey, man, we love cats. What are you doing?" I think he did like a mouse as well, didn't he? He had all sorts. Yeah, of a rat. Him. A rat. Yeah. He's not. He's yeah. not. He's not treating the his old friend with much dignity. Yeah, that, I, that, I could definitely that, see that being I think a, it's what a cat controversial. Want, you know? Yeah, to to go and scare the bejesus out of pigeons in in the afterlife. Like, you know, <laughs> I was a big fat cat and I never caught a pigeon. Well, now I'm going to terrify them. Absolutely terrify them. Yeah, yeah, um, slightly, slightly poor taste, I guess. <laughs> yeah, hard to oh, say no, what a what a passed away cat oh, would want to do. <laughs> poor cat. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Maybe when when his owner dies, we should taxidermy him yeah. into one of yeah. a really big quad yeah. that we can ride. Turn him into a bus or something. Yeah. Oh, Cole's, yeah, Cole's just adjusting his, his cat. It's not anything. Like, it's what he would have wanted. Quads, I don't think. I don't think <laughs> Is I it Tabasco? To in that way. <laughs> you don't want to like be kind of you know. Turned into like a leather suit and flown around once you pass away. You don't think that would be respectful? It's getting a bit science of the lambs, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't so it? back to uh, anyhow this topic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah we were just I mean, yeah, just, talking just about the blackout age frame and how the alien kind of changed it all basically and gave people a blueprint for not just a frame that flew but a frame that could crash which is fundamental to freestyle, right? A frame you can crash more than once. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, it was tough. It had four millimeter thick arms. Whoa. Four millimeter. Uh, that was quite thick at the time. The, the ZMR, I think, came out with three millimeter thick arms. And I remember when... Is that... What's that? Is that a reverb? Oh, this is Alien. Oh, that's Alien, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember there was some aftermarket arms you could get for the ZMR, which were four mil thick, and it, and I was like, "Whoa, this is way over the top." Um, and it's just like everything, really. KV's gone up, carbon fiber thickness has gone up. It's and I remember, I remember Chad Nowak, who was like complaining about how the hobby hadn't moved forward, um, and it was just the same. Well, this is a while ago, but I mean, he was, you know, he 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 sort of stopped enjoying it. Let's put it that way. Um, but um, I think it's I think it's improved a lot. You know, I think that the and the biggest improvement for me is is the flight firmware, massive improvement. I mean, when I was flying the ZMR250, it wasn't good. You know, in terms of it, it was just very it was very basic. Um, and I guess the tuning information and the tuning advice was was poor. You know, it just wasn't that great. And it was Joshua Bardwell at the time who was making videos, tech videos, which he doesn't tend to do so much nowadays. But, um, yeah. So you, you supply tuning for all kind of major firmwares, past and present, on your site, right? Yes. I mean, um, 
Yeah, I think I think tuning is is probably one of the most important you know um, aspects. I don't I don't think I think a lot of um, the quality of the gears converge quite a lot. I mean, I'm not saying buy cheap motors because I think there is a point to buying decent motors and stuff. But um, you know, people, I think it's easy to get obsessed by gear and kind of new hype and stuff like that. But the tuning is you know it's what makes the whole build. You know, you, it pulls everything together, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, when Superfly, when I first started it, it was quite obvious that you know the the, um, the Chinese designs were going to improve over time. Um, uh, you know, I had to, you know, you had to offer something else, and um, so I decided to to put my head into into tuning and and understanding how the, how the whole flight control firmware works. Um, uh, so it really yeah, improves the, the customer experience, right? It's a, like more of an end-to-end product. Then you don't just kind of get something in the mail and that's it. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, the the, the feedback I get is good, and um, you know, there's a lot of good pilots. Like you know, I've got some um, sponsored pilots now. Um, uh, so I've got um, Holt Backheath, who's a really sick pilot. Um, I've got a whole, you know, they're, they're on the website and I'm kind of building up a team and they, you know, a lot of people know their way around the flight controller, but, um, there is, I would say that if you're kind of really geeking out on it and, and really going into the details, you're usually going to kind of generate, uh, a more, a deeper understanding than the guys who are just, who are really good at flying. Um, not always, but, um, I think that's that's a good thing because it's you know just adds adds value and and kind of um you know it's it's I love to I love to make make them fly um, really well it's very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like it's a bit of a dark art though, right? The tuning side of it, it's uh, for a lot of people unless they really dive in and try to get there. Like for me, uh, I've I've only been flying for less than two years now, but had some pretty bad crashes last summer. Had to rebuild. Uh, get new motors and you know things just didn't you know they didn't fly the same afterwards so i had to dive down a deep path and it was it was very trying to say the least because i don't know what these numbers are going to do and these numbers are going to do i'm i'm trying to see what they do and the balance and whatnot but how, how long have you been flying for uh i'd only been flying for about maybe around a year or so yeah um i mean it is uh, people in this community i don't think people often admit it but it is actually really difficult (laughs) yeah i mean tuning and really understanding how the pick controller works in the system that we're using is hard and um and i I mean without sounding like a a dickhead like most people don't really understand it you know and that's why when when people post something on facebook You'll get like answers that are just all over the place um, because you know it is it is you know it's genuinely difficult um, and there's no shame in I think you know uh, admitting that and I think that the preset system that we got in Beta Flight is really good. Um, Crunked has done presets for Kiss um, and I think you know all the help that people can get is a, is a good thing um, and you know I, you know people. Even though there are some pretty good guides now, you know the, the beta flight tuning guides. Some of them are over half an hour long, and that is, you know, it's a lot of the time. Uh, and if there's a good preset, I, I just think go for it. 
Slam it on. I get people kind of halfway there. Well, it's not halfway because once you, the, the reason why it seems like when I first started out, I used to struggle with all the different, all the things that everyone else struggles with. Hmm. And it's very easy to turn it into when you don't understand how the system works, you become, you project superstition onto it. Yeah. And it becomes kind of, magic. Oh, this is my, this is my best build. I can't touch it, you know, because you don't want to mess <laughs> it up. Pack. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing is because it's just because there's so many, you know, it's, it's overwhelming in terms of the amount of stuff that you have to know to be able to just be able to crank them out. And it takes quite a long time for people to get that good, but they can just crank out build after build and there's no issues because you fully understand what's going on. So it's, it's not really a dark art. It's actually, it's just an engineering system. It's, you know, and it's as simple as that. Once you understand what each of the parameters does on, on each axis and all that stuff. Um, and black box, you know, you know, there's a few kiss guys in the in the group who are kind of a bit um, maybe anti black box, but um, black box is it's brilliant. I mean, it's amazing because it just shows you everything that's happening. And once you can understand um, what it means, it's it's like it's like looking into a black box. You know, it's it's just you can answer all the all the problems. You can solve the problems. You know, it's. Um, it's very good, and it's amazing. You're, you're looking at, you know, the inputs because your hands are doing those, but you don't necessarily. No, you can guess. I mean, I, I do most of my tuning just visually because I'm in a hurry, and not everything I have has a black box historically because I was flying cheap boards. But being able to see what the response is when you move the stick, that's that's the the basics of it, right? That's where everything comes down to. Like, I've requested this. Did I get what I wanted? If I didn't get what I wanted, then let's change what's going on in the middle. Uh, this is not what I wanted. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, oh, I came I, from um, like I come from a background using like camera gimbals and whatnot, where you have to, you know, tune the the different axes and whatnot. Obviously, it's a little more simple, I feel, than than PIDs for a quad. But I mean, even that, it it takes a lot of you know fiddling around to. Uh, and a lot of just seeing what works, right? Because, I mean, I guess the, the logs are really good because you get a visual and and a full out, you know, data sort of set on it. But I guess the, the camera gimbal side of things is a bit more like, how does it react? I mean, I guess you can kind of apply that to quads too, though, right? So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little bit more, you know, it's you can, I guess with a gimbal, you've got it in your hands and you can just kind of do it a bit easier. But yeah, it's the yeah. same. I think it's probably the same. I mean, how many axes have you got on the gimbal as well? Uh, three axes. Yeah. Because I think that's yeah. what kind of confuses, that kind of overwhelms people when you've got that grid and you've got the axes and then you've got each term for the axes and it kind of suddenly, it suddenly seems, you know, um, sort of quite, quite confusing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I got I to I'm... a point. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Curry. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think I'm in the majority of people who are lazy stroke can't do it because I, I kind of used to know what PIDs were. And then when Beta Flight went all about the filters, I was like, what? And I didn't really learn it. And now it's the case of it flies okay, that'll do. I haven't got much time. I just want to fly and have some fun rather than repeatedly try this flight and then try and figure out how to tune it better. And potentially make it worse. I think I think that's where perhaps a lot of people are. It's just like, yeah, it's okay, that'll do, rather than going and trying to hone it down and, and get everything just perfect. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair enough. I mean, ultimately, people just want to go out and fly. I think most people, and I think there is quite a contingent, you know, in the hobby who are people who are technically minded and and they're really fascinated by the technical side of the hobby, and then want to dig really deeply into the tuning. And I, I would say I probably fall into that group, but um, but I'm I'm not one of those. Like I would I would say there's a a technocratic um, approach to tuning that you can take, which kind of suggests that there's some sort of perfect tune, and that tuning should only be about um, tracking of the set point, i.e., um, following um, exactly the input. Uh, well, it's not necessarily the input, but um, and I, 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 my kind of um, my philosophy, I would say, is that you want to have very good control of the quad and you want to have very good prop wash, but you also, there should be a 10%, let's say, um, area for feel, which is essentially, right. you know, if we're flying freestyle, and this is just for freestyle, it's not for like, you know, sending a, a drone off on a very defined mission or something. But if you're flying freestyle, it should be a little bit, in my opinion, like a musical instrument. You should be kind of just throwing it around, uh, whether you're making video or something, and and you kind of you like the way that it moves when you make an input, and you see the input through the goggles. It feels good, and I think that you know tweaking the parameters, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of room for that. Um, so I am I'm kind of a, a supporter of of that approach, and people some people liking it this way, some people liking it that way. Um, and you know, and I just I aim to set it up in a way that I like, and then I share that with you know with the customers. And also, there is a preset for everyone as well. There's also oh, a no, don't, don't get me wrong. Apps. Sorry, I absolutely love the idea of uh, of doing it. It's just a case of like uh, I can't do it, and I don't want to have to spend time on it. But yeah, I, I can certainly respect a, a properly tuned quad, and you can certainly tell the difference. Something that has been properly worked on versus it's okay and uh yeah you get a nicer feel from it but it's just it's just for i i think a lot of people like me there's there's a as i said there's there's a sort of a mix of laziness and can't can't do it because I, i'm i'm just busy wanting to fly but yeah i wish i wish i could i wish i as like i i had somebody next to me here say tune that and give it back to me and, and make it work that's that's kind of what's uh what's interesting when i when i looked at your frames it's like Yes, you get a, you get a tune from me, which which I think is very cool, because it's just like this will work on this. I've checked it. <laughs> yeah, checked. Yeah, it's definitely checked. I mean, I sort of waste it. I I shouldn't say waste, but I spend a, a ridiculous amount of time obsessing about um, about how I want to tune it and kind of tweaking filters and stuff like that, but. Um, yeah, but there, there is there is a five inch preset for beta flight for for everyone. Um, for oh, sorry, it's three three to four inch, five inch, six inch, and seven inch superfly tunes in the beta flight configurator. Um, and I've got this um, calculator on the on the website. There's a link in the preset, but you can go um, and you can put in your KV and, and what uh, what lipo you're using, and it will spit out where to put the uh, master multiplier. So it's basically a system um, that's just calculated from the RPM um, because I, I think it affects um, 
the stability of the the pig control loop like an authority bias yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah um that's 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 what it is i think um yeah i mean yeah i noticed i mean uh, some of the other guys like chris rosser and uav tech they they don't account for the different kv that, that people use i mean te technically if you have the pd balance um you should just be able to raise or lower um like there's some kiss guys here and i've noticed that the kiss is is i think it's a bit more stable in terms of different kv um uh, and it just depends on the balance of the pids um and uh you know and the, and the speed of the motors but you know it's ultimately you know it's just a case of um a small adjustment you know um yeah yeah uh, there's also this kind of the, the feel that comes into it, which a lot of people would say are rates, but I guess comes down to the preference of a lot of the pilots who are flying it. A beta flight having a big racer contingent as well as a big freestyle contingent, there's this spectrum of you can have a tune for a frame in two different directions, one towards the freestyle with HD and super smooth, and you don't care if you're going to make the motor hot, you want good footage, and the other towards the racer where you want jerky twitch response and you want to keep the motors cool, and you don't really care if you have a bit of a wobble in your video, just so long as you get around the course and don't burn your motors out. And that, that kind of, the, the polar opposites of, of tuning means that there's no single perfect tune. There's, there's kind of a, what f works with the airframe in terms of general aerodynamics and, and thrust vectoring, and then how much you're willing to tolerate smoking your motors versus how clean you want the video. And that's, that's coming down to how much you can push that authority, right? Because if you get it right on the edge, you know, you get it right on the knife edge, then there's a chance that if you just snick the tip off a propeller, you could burn the motor out when you do the next yeah. punch out. Yeah, definitely in the case of um, the filters. Um, I mean, if you look at a log from, uh, it's one of the beach flight pilots, Limon, um, and he's yeah he's he's got a cool YouTube channel as well. But um, I mean, it's so much high throttle; it's almost insane. Like I thought it was a joke. It's <laughs> not just high throttle; it's like full throttle. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's got that that warning that comes on screen when he's at one hundred percent throttle. Yeah, and yeah. You don't have to wait long to see it; it's constantly yeah. flashing on the OSD. Yeah, so freestylers can definitely get away with less filtering, which is good because um because then the prop wash is more important for freestylers um so we want to just remove as much of the filtering as possible um and uh and, and generally freestylers you're just cruising around low mid throttle and then with the punch outs yeah uh, you're chucking it in the air and doing your tricks and then coming down and, and you know um pulling out of it um but the races just are they're crazy um and so it's a, it's a very good uh test of how robust you know what beta flight filters are or, or whatever firmware you're going to use um to to give it to put it in the hands of a, a hardcore racer because it's um yeah they really test the equipment to the limits i think they won't allow you to spend an extra couple of milliseconds making the signals nice and smooth before you send them to the motors they're like no we don't care we don't care we've got to got to have that twitch response which i think yeah, they, definitely, they use quite a lot of feed forward because the precision is just, you know, and quite a lot of I-term. I think the I-term in, in beta flight recently has been boosted a lot. And I'm, I'm actually a fan of just keeping that not too much I-term. But the I-term has boosted so much in beta flight um, because they did quite a lot of uh, kind of racer focused development um, just before I came. Um, and um, 
when you're looking at the logs of lots of kind of really fast um, and uh, kind of wide turns, um, you can see that it needs more item in order to keep to hold the the tracking basically. And it's just not it's something that doesn't come up with the freestylers because you know um, we're not we're not flying anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I turn it down for that reason a little bit. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. You'll go nuts FPV praising your, uh, your frame here. That end-to-end customer experience there. Yeah. Cheers, dude. <laughs> yeah, I shall um, look through the comments. Superfly, uh, if uh, someone, or Steve, sorry, if someone wanted to get into tuning and better understand it, do you have any sort of uh, guides or videos you particularly would recommend? Um... Uh, well, other than the half hour beta flight ones, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's if there's kind of a really simple uh, short video. Um, that's a tricky one. I mean, because because the ones that um, Chris Rosser and UAV, I don't know if UAV Tech's got a, one that he's done recently. I know that Chris Ross has done um, some good ones, but they are quite involved. They do involve logging. Um, they do involve there's, using there's a classic approach, isn't there? Just doing it by eye, where you like try yeah. and push the filters up with yeah. beta flight, for example, and you take off and do some maneuvers as aggressively as possible. And the instant you see oscillation start to occur, you back down the filters by a stop, and then you come back and you start looking at P and I in detail. That's yeah, that's kind of the old fashioned, and that's how I learned. I remember a stingy stinger swarm, stingy, maybe. yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. He made one, he made one ages ago and he kind of did the classic one where you kind of, and you've got to learn to look out for the behaviors. And I mean, if I'm honest, I do think the, the, the basement tuning is if you want to tune it yourself, it's the best to just do that. Um, which is like a mesh fencing mask or something. What's that? If you've got like a (laughs) mesh fencing mask or something, maybe. Uh, don't know if I'd try it in here. Yeah, no, yeah, it doesn't, have in, it doesn't have to be in the basement. Yeah, that's that came from um, Brian, Brian White, who said he said he'd be watching. I don't know if he is, but um, yeah, he was. He's got a basement where he does all his quad stuff. So um, when he was developing PID Toolbox, he uh, had to do it a lot of it in the basement. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's where it came from. But yeah, I mean, shout out to Brian and, and that that tool because it's kind of. I would say it's revolutionized the tuning. Um, you know, the the step response there um, is is super useful. Is that the, yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's like in a trailer park. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know it's, it's obviously easy for me to say this, but I just wish people would just use my tune. I mean, just use my tune in the configurator. Yeah. Because it's, it's with the, with the, with the calculator, it's just, it's it's so much easier, and then you can go and fly. If you want to get really into tuning, then you have to go. I would I would say go and go and learn the basement tuning method and, and watch um, mm. P 
Pit Toolbox videos or watch um, Chris Ross's videos. Um, you know, I, there there are there are some things I would say, um, Stephen. I don't know if you agree, but you know, there's a bunch of people who um, obviously contribute to Betaflight, but it's far from uh, kind of a monolith of thought. You know, everyone's got slightly different opinions about things, and you know. Um, there's so, racers and freestylers and there's people on the extremes of each of those. Definitely there's a spectrum there. Exactly. There's there's quite a big spectrum and everyone does things slightly differently. And there's a few a few things I would do slightly differently on the basement tuning, but you know, fundamentally it, it you know it covers you know it covers a lot. Um and uh yeah. So that's that's the best way, I would say, to long answer. Presets are great, but I think a lot of the guys here may be flying. I know Jack and Cole, yourself, you obviously make five-inch frames. These other guys fly them. But I started out building silly little micros and things that are not quite five inches, you know. And, and, and for that, there, there, were, there was no advice. And maybe there's a few presets now. Historically, there was almost zero presets. And so I had to kind of figure it out and just rule of thumb it, which was generally I was finding the smaller and lighter my builds were the more overall PID gain I would need so that the more I'd have to increase the ratios of PIDs because they were, I guess, lower authority. When you, That's why people fly 5-inch, that it's right. that sweet spot of power and weight. Um, you, you're, getting, you're minimizing having to carry around the flight controller and ESC and VTX and camera. That, that weight is kind of invisible. You've got a decent-sized motor, a good disc area for the props, and, and everything kind of is optimal. Yeah, but but if you can't fly a five inch because you're next to a, like a crowded park and you want to fly yeah. like a little yeah. two inch whoop, you, you've got to kind yeah. of scratch your head and think, well, what's happening here? People say I should only have like I at this rate, but I need it twice that. Like, And I've got some builds where I, I'm flying like a 2S two inch ultralight and I've literally got that PID multiplier at two, 200%. And it's it's just maxed out, and then I had to add like thrust linear to give it a little more oomph as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, sometimes I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't been buying those. You've probably been Stephen. You sorry to cut in. You, you've probably been buying them more than I have, but um, or perhaps you got some from the from the past. But well, I was hoping that they're out of the factory they're tuned because if you get one of those on defaults, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, yeah, and and building your own with uh, like AIO flight controller, you're just like, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I think you know from from looking at the manufacturers with Beta Flight, like sometimes you've got vendors who have a reputation for doing a really good job with tuning, but you've also got vendors who might be very price competitive, but are really just throwing stuff in a box and selling it. Well, we ought to. I mean, in the in the presets, we ought to have, you know, the main. The main base is covered in the beta flight presets at least um i mean it's a bit tricky for logging yeah. <laughs> um, it looks like we actually have a yeah question from dominic clifton there uh asking you uh yeah what are your goals for the next 12 months wow um my goals um well i'd like to just keep superfly <laughs> keep it going keep it growing um release you know i've got some more releases um and uh you know um in the pipeline um and uh yeah i mean uh that's it 
I'm not very good at answering that question, I don't think. Wait um, and see. Right. Watch this space. Watch this space. We've roughly, yeah. we've roughly got 10 minutes. We're going to try and get through a load of questions. Are you ready, Steve? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Sonic, hey, yeah. Yeah, Sonic Tonic asks, when do we get to see more Super so- Superfly freestyle videos? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't posted one on YouTube. It's really, really old now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm basically, I've been hoping to get out and about a bit more this year. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm kind of battling a health issue. Um, I, some people who know me know I've had chronic fatigue for quite a long time. Um, so that slightly restricts me from from kind of going to the best the best spots, um, but um, yeah, I hope to get out more and, and meet some of the pilots um, uh, this year. Um, so yeah, hopefully hopefully some cool spots because I do most of my testing literally in a field, you know, and I, I'm kind of a real test nerd. So I actually get a lot of pleasure just through going out and just testing, you know, and I've got a pretty pretty kind of um not janky setup but like i'm still you know again people know this some, some people know this about me but i i still use these kind of crappy box goggles um and analog box and goggles like yeah wow what's your box goggle of choice then it's a modified eosheen ev800 so wow. Yeah. Word, I mean, I have got, like, I've can got, can I've everyone got... in the chat please go and buy this guy's frames? Like he needs some new goggles. <laughs> no, well, well, look, you, you I've know. got DJI. I've got DJI and I've got walks now. But I just like I'm just you know, I just haven't got round to fully integrating it into my daily workflow. And the, the, the reality is for me is that I get I get the enjoyment of FPV just through analog anyway. So it's uh, you know, so when I put these on, it's nice. It's just like it's the same thing, but just with a clearer picture. Yeah. I'm still doing flips. I'm still experiencing the out of body experience cool. yeah. through the. And if you haven't got tons of interference near you, then probably works just great. Well, I don't. Yeah, because I'm not. Yeah. This is going to be the problem. So when I go to drone fest, I've I've kind of had a talk with myself. Look, Steve, you've really got to wean yourself off these box goggles because you can't turn up to drone fest using them. <laughs> but you can but you might not be seeing your camera I won't see anything yeah so um so i've got to uh i've got to i've got to move on um you know you get used to a certain field of view you get used to you know um certain cameras and stuff and yeah they're I, just I like a comfortable old pair of shoes they fit your head perfectly exactly. <laughs> But the O3, the O3 has a good a field of view. I think I can live with. Um, the previous, the Vista used to have so much distortion when you roll. So when you come back, it looks like the Earth is like a bouncy ball. You know that. You know that, that view, and I hate that. Yeah. Um, I, so. I would just get terrified when I did anything around trees because I seem to have got this knack of, like, I put it, the power to a sensible value, run fifty megabit mode, but and use the nebula pro camera and i can make dgi just turn into a mosaic the instant i fly anything with lots of leaves on the trees and <laughs> I, I was doing a punch out recently had this 10s five inch that i flew on beta flight with uh vtx dgi vtx and um i punched out above the canopy and it looked great and then i went to dive down into the canopy and like halfway through the dive the picture just turned into a series of large green squares and brown squares Oh, and it was utterly terrifying. And that seems to happen more often than I would like on DJI. Not yet on Walk Snail, but with DJI, I, that 
was terrifying. You need to crank it, crank up the power, and make sure you fully irradiate that tree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, though, I, the power I, I was high you, enough. I'll say that. I, I showed you the video I did on Walkstyle, and it was much the same thing. I was flying in a corridor where there's grass there and there's lots of leaf trees. And it's like Walks now just decided in this compression to say, yeah, it's all just green and just like flat shaded the entire thing. It's like, okay, so we're not getting details. We're just getting smudge. Here's a smudge of green. That's going to be that. That's going to be the background. And then the latency went out to like 300 milliseconds or something. And it got a bit scary. That was fun. Are you right. still rocking Animal Den, Curry, Curry Kitchen? No, I'm. I'm working. I'm working on Walks now. At the moment, it's it's good when it's good. I, I flew around some trees today, and that was no, not today, yesterday, and that was that was really nice. Actually, it's like you could see it a, a bit more. And then I fool myself into thinking this isn't that much better than analog. And then I go back to analog in the same site and say, oh, this is like looking for a potato. This is this is much worse. But you you can get used to things, and you can have the same amount of fun depending where you are you just got a sort of there's something there's something kind of adjust yeah there's something i like about analog and i think ah. I probably got it from, yeah that's a splodge i've got a question from ryan how has a new usb to flight impacted tuning accessibility for newer pilots has it crippled deep dive tuning or is it going to me no i think there's still quite a lot of people who actually want to go into the deep dive tuning um uh, I don't know if you, Stephen, if you notice this, but there's still quite a lot of people because I have people turning up on my Discord server who are who are doing it and then struggling, um, and I have to sort of say to them, please, why just are use, you doing this? Please just use my tune. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I guess it's because people are you know interested in the technology. I think people who do quadcopters are just generally quite tech savvy people who are interested in yeah. in tech stuff. So they, you know, they naturally get interested in that side and want to, want to ex explore it. There have been some stuff who, some people who are like, these are my magic numbers. My magic numbers make everything work. I will, I must enter my magic numbers. And you yeah. had to kind of, well, we've had to sort of wean them off and say, look, there is a relationship between these that, comes down to the balance of your quad, how much your weight distribution is to the front or to the rear. And you just need to kind of tune these in and, and then increase this one until, until you've got that snap and grab that you want. And then it's going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to get this matrix of magic numbers anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely people who, who are quite hard to convince. Like they've decided that this works well, and you know, and even if you you know that they need to do that, then yeah, yeah, magic numbers. I mean, that's that's generally a sign. If if anyone says the word magic, you normally you know that you know that they they really just um, they're in the world of superstition. Um, <laughs> it's become a religion. Yeah. 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 Um, Ryan also asks, why does my busted up? flip mode still fly better than 90 percent of my pre-built quads best flying quad i've had today hardcore cine flying feels like an extension of myself is the easiest description does a worn out frame soften things up and no i think he's just buttering me up to be honest <laughs> oh, <fair enough. laughs> 
Um, it's a, okay. it's a nice comment, though, Ryan. Uh, he's a great guy, Ryan. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's... Um, but, yeah, I mean, it does fly well. <laughs> I will say that. Um, the flip mode with a, with a good tuning, it's uh, spot on. Um, Sonic Tonic also asks, when do we get the Superfly Sonic Tronic frame? <laughs> uh yeah i mean i can put that on the list i've got like um i am i'm am sponsoring people now um and i used to have a bit of a cynical view about sponsorship um but i am i am doing it now and I, i'm really i'm really happy with you know there's great guys um who are part of the superfly team um and uh and if if you you know um if if you have enough of a following, you know, um, you can do a kind of custom version or something like that. Yeah. I mean, definitely, um, definitely open to that sort of thing. Um, and we did obviously did the sync mode and that was, you know, that was the first one that I'd done, I did with, uh, with sync FPV. Um, and, and that, that went down quite well. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I'm happy with how that came out. Um, colored carbon. Um, I was always a bit cynical, well, not cynical, but like, I thought that it would be too much. Because carbon itself looks cool, you know, on its own, but um, but yeah, just just keeping it to the body, um, I think uh, has kind of solved that one. It it kind of gets the balance right, um, and, and looks cool with the with the matte carbon as well. So yeah. a bit of bling. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with a bit of bling. Um, doesn't doesn't. Um, well, motor doesn't manufacturers have been doing it for ages, haven't they? Might as well get in on the game. Yeah, well, you've got to be super fly. I mean, that's the whole point. <laughs> you've got to, yeah, obviously, you got to yeah, you got to you got to look. You've got to pimp you know, out your clients. Cool. Yeah, you've got to perform well, but it's also you know it doesn't hurt if it looks cool as well. You've got to be um, the pimp at the field. <laughs> yeah, as much as drone enthusiasts can be pimps at the same time. <laughs> yeah, the, the pimp nerd Venn diagram intersecting <laughs> exactly. spectacularly small. There's in there for you, Stephen. There's one about. Ten-S five-inch. So a while ago, I decided to buy something random that I saw on a forum for uh, a firmware that I don't really fly, and and I kept it around for a while, thinking, what am I going to do with this? Can I be bothered to go in and use this application that I wasn't really interested in? And 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 then I saw that Matek were doing an F four hundred five flight controller, which could run beta flight. So I so I slapped that in there. Um, and here we are, 1100 kV on an AOS 5, I'm afraid. do apologize, but at least it's another Brit. Um, with uh, DJI Vista. And yeah, it's designed for 10S, two 5S packs in series, which just about mount on top. I've had to mess around with the wiring a wee bit. It's got a couple of capacitors for good measure. Um, it's a little bit terrifying. Just How are you, sorry, how are you mounting them on the top? Like, is it? two like that is it like a longitudinal yeah so i I did experiment with so many different ways of doing this what i ended up with was i'll show you is it one on top and one underneath no 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 nothing so sophisticated sophisticated. um i I simply put them in like yeah and back to back or oh side to side side to side but the plugs in the middle double fisting Thank you, Jack. Um, I yes. answer, please. <laughs> or, or do you? Uh, right, there we are. So something like that 
as my oh. video decided to crap out me. Great timing yeah. video. Thank you. Oh, That's yes. Wonderful. Too much oh, double oh, fisting. Linux drivers. Not no, drivers. It's the AMD drivers, unfortunately. Oh, the oh. USB is always a bit Team tricky. red. How many, how many uh, Stephen, how many Mar are those LiPos? So, two 700 Mar 5S. So, 700 Mar of 10S, basically. Uh, let me see if I can get this camera back. It's kind of nuts. There we yeah. are. So, there you are. And then I've got uh, an adapter that takes two XT30s, because they only need to be XT30s on a 700 Mar pack, uh, and puts those into a single XT60. And then I've got a big, long XT60 lead, because it's 12-gauge, but... It doesn't matter too much because I'm only dealing with 700 mar packs, so the current isn't that much. And then that reaches over the top. It's not the best, and it wouldn't deal with hardcore bashing at all. CG is but, CG's looking quite quite rear heavy there. Yeah, it's well, that's because I haven't actually pushed them in properly to the... It should be... Okay, can you get it? Yeah. And how's it, how's it fly? But the fly feel, the fly position is more like that. Uh, Beautiful. These, right at the back of the batteries and then i've got another strap at the front of the batteries that i haven't because i've only got one hand. okay 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 um yeah so it, it flies surprisingly tame it's not like it's it's, it's 1100 <laughs> kv that's a disappointment ah. it's 1100 kv so it's equivalent 1100 kv on um on 10s is roughly kind of on 6s about a 1900 kv that's that type of feel. So it, it's just a different characteristic. Like when you do a punch out, you get much less voltage sag because it's happy to just give those big bursts of current without the internal resistance that cells shooting up, it seems. Everything just feels a little bit more efficient, but it is cumbersome. I mean, ergonomically, it's a nightmare. It's not. It's a pain to get the batteries on. No one's making any 10S packs. But just for, for giggles, because I saw someone did a, an 8s build and i've you know i've got an 8s uh seven inch but on the the five inch i've only got six s builds and four inch uh four s builds so yeah just for a giggle sorry i went on for a while on that one but that's it yeah it's cool it's nice interesting yeah just to see what happens do something different yeah we got any other questions no uh other than the Everyone motor left. tuning does anyone do any both <laughs> use the the what is it the motor mixing i think that was it yeah that's a bit of a blast from the past that one motor mixing um i know well no i don't think anyone does it anymore i mean i remember that i remember that trend i remember you doing it myself um i think people um, used to insist you needed a different mix for dead cats and things didn't they but oh you're a different geometry you need to change your motor mixing yeah, I mean, technically, it would be appropriate to do it with Dead Cat. Um, I think in the end, it just people just realised that it didn't make much difference um, because uh, I think I think the motor mixing, you know, I remember doing was I would measure the motor positions, and then you'd um, you'd actually specifically set the pit controller to expect the motors to be where they, where, you know, where you told it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it just fizzled out that that uh, that craze. I mean, there's there's been a lot of. Do you remember angled motor mounts? I think Jack yeah. does. They were they were pretty rubbish. Um, <laughs> Before people figured out that they could tilt, uh, was that as to not tilt cameras? That was the also they flew they flew weirdly as well um, because uh, the motors weren't on the right plane. 
Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 gone. I know. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember mounting one motor at the rear to push you along? Do you remember that? Like boom copter. I th- I mean, I remember someone doing it. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I'm quite conservative, not conservative, maybe traditionalist. You know, when I started designing frames, I kind of thought, right, you know, I'm going to really seriously think about some super cool way to design a frame that no one's done before. And I spent a bit of time looking looking around, you know, what other people had done. And I just came to the conclusion that actually where we were at that point was actually probably the best place to be. Um, and that, uh, you know, that actually um trying i mean i've seen people try and do um kind of have crazy ideas but they always flopped um and you know i think something that's not very commonly said but we're actually i think very lucky to have access to um carbon fiber so materials that we use for frames and the -the off-the-shelf parts that we can use to build them with um you know i wouldn't have ended up designing frames if it wasn't if, if there wasn't that availability because if you were to hire, um, to get a professional company to try and design a drone frame, it's really expensive. But the fact that we've got access to carbon fiber, which is such a tough material, we've got the standoffs, we've got screws off the shelf, you can come up with designs that perform. There's like a, a major, what's the word, punch? You get a lot of bang for your buck, basically. With it's like a force multiplier. You've got access to these technologies that let you punch above your weight being a small exactly. man. The hobby, yeah, I think the performance that we get in the hobby punches way above its weight. And if you put um, if you put like a high-end design company onto designing a freestyle mini quad, I'm skeptical about whether or not they'd come up with anything better than what we've got now. You might find um, something looking a bit flashy, but not necessarily performing much better or being much more usable than what we have I'd right now. I bet you anything that would look flashier and then it would be taken out into the bandos and stuff and it would just get smashed. Yeah. You know, because they would try and make it look consumer, kind of look cool. Um, maybe you could do something with it, improve the aero. That's maybe something that uh, an area that people could, could work with. But otherwise, you know, the durability of these frames now and what people do with them is just insane. And the, and the performance they've got is impressive. You know, it always impresses everyone when you do a punch out, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Yeah, for the sake of 2 or 3% gains, it's just not worth it. Yeah, if there are the gains there. Mm. I mean, I'm not even convinced that they're... Well, you probably end up in a world where you need to buy a new set of screwdrivers because they'd use some special bit that didn't work with anyone else's screws. Maybe moulded carbon. That's something that you could maybe do. And someone tried to do that in in South Korea or Japan. They were doing moulded carbon frames, Um, race frames. Do you remember them? They were like a sort of bubble with like a sort of... of Mm. And I know Formula One uses Formula One uses obviously has quite a lot of carbon fiber technology and they're wrapping it and you could maybe do something with more than carbon. Um but you've the got cost... raggy frames and fossil stuff made out of milk cartons. That's a classic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a massive frame, the fossil gravity. Do you remember that? Yeah, man. Martin Rye's a massive help to the show in our early days, helped us get established. As yeah. well as some other people, Thursday night show, Greg from yeah. Menace, iDrone, yeah, like all those old names. 
first person view, Radio C. Um, Dominic Clifton asks Superfly, what's your favorite flight controller and why? Quickly, and then <laughs> we've got a question. Go. Loaded question. Kiss <laughs> uh, Ultra. It's the best. Um, so the SB Racing Board. SPS3. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've flown I've flown one of um, I had a Lightning, which I think he had a hand in designing. Um, I like the look. I like the SP Racing um, flight controllers. Um, he's 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 a good designer. Dominic. There's a lot of Fox Air on your shop. I noticed that. There is. I currently I currently am stocking the Fox Air. I really like. Uh, I think Fox Air do a great job. Um, I mean, we've just spent. I mean, in the Beta Flight Group, we've spent about a year. Um, talking to brands and, and trying different stuff and trying to be able to give um, a steer basically to people because of the difficulties with the gyro and the chip shortages and stuff. The, the QC on the flight controllers um, went downhill. Um, and um, yeah, Fox here. Um, I used to be a big fan of T-Motor. I think, I think um, maybe I've heard some feedback's not so great recently. Um, um, Acon is Acon is one of my favourite brands as well. Um, box goggles. Think, what's that? You need thirty-two to go along with your box goggles. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can take the piss out of my box goggles if you like, but you know, I know the box goggles. They get a great view. I got a big ass view there. It's beautiful. Yeah. Do you know what you should do? Which I hope that you consider is you know you get the the DJI screen that you plug into the goggles, you could be a complete baller at FPV Drone Fest and have like the the screen output and use that and just have your goggles on the side and have like a giant polystyrene headset with a little. To, I could get if I, if I was really to go old school. I could get the Quantum V2. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. That was yeah. my first set of goggles, and I could put a DJI screen into that. Maybe that would be pretty. That is that is the probably the least cool looking goggle that you can get. Um, it's because uh, it had this um, neoprene sock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that you basically like would wrap around your whole face, so it looked like a horse feeder. Mm. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> so, hey man, yeah. that's how so many people got into the hobby. KK yeah. two one point. So you wouldn't want to lose any of that precious sweat on a hot day, would you? You've got to keep it in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And you got to keep a you got to keep a very kind of streetwise. You know, you got to. I've got to uphold the reputation of the brand by uh, making sure that I look by wearing a neoprene head sock. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a urban camo version of that, which was that was cool. <laughs> yeah, they done they done that with the Channeling Dominator HD twos, didn't they? They had the urban camouflage yeah. and everything. A live cat. It's, well, you know, it's like it's it's very it's very warlike uh, hobby. Well, actually, on the subject of being a warlike, um, it is in uh, FPV Drone Fest is in a war zone. Um, it's a, it's like a sort of um, what's it called? Airsoft, uh, and it's uh, yeah. Well, you guys have had the big pitch anyway. You had it last week. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, apparently, yeah. no, no uh, rampant airsoft people running around, so that there'll be no soft targets to worry about, which is good. No, well, we could get some of the drone fest people to run around, and that'd be fun. Um, 
try and hit them. Well, there, there will be competitions. I don't know quite how dangerous the competitions will be. We'll have to wait and see. There's definitely going to be some. You've got to queue up uh, to fly. Yeah. I've requested that I have a Chesterfield to sit on the end of the, so I can just fly constantly <laughs> being a sponsor. So I just sit there and just fly. The whole people time. bring you cigars and brandy and you just sort of sit there. Exactly. Like no um, unfortunately, that is all we've got time for. Um, we might do a bonus podcast, depending on how the other guys feel about that. It'd be nice because we haven't done one in a while. Um, the show, Let's Run Out, is sponsored and supported by our lovely Patreons. These guys are the ones that allow the um, audio uh, podcast part of this video that's available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Out of me. Yeah. Um, to be cleaned up and made nice. So if you're listening to this, don't forget we're live on Let's Throw Now on YouTube at 8 till 9 p.m. on a Thursday. So come by, say hi in the chat. Let us know that you're from the land of audio only. It means that you can come see all our faces and see the random slides that we hold up and different quads thank you Cole, thank you Curry for presenting wonderful retro things to us um, Stephen thank you for getting our lovely guest on uh, Superfly Stephen guest. it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, you're always welcome on the show um, thanks for having me yeah what a pleasure and hopefully Maybe you could send us some links to post in the bottom of a chat for like tuning guides and stuff and like any useful information. I think people really just want to go to soupathflyfpv.com, don't they? With an A. Yes. Absolutely. All links are in the video description. Immediately right after this video. Oh, thank you for our awesome social media expert, Cole, for coming up with a nice thumbnail and just making sure that that part of the show slides smoothly along. Yeah, no. So yeah, hopefully uh, we can show some logs to Superfly, maybe in a bonus pod. Who knows? Uh, you've been joined by our host Stephen. Thanks, everyone. I've been bright until I fly. Everyone's favourite curry kitten. Goodbye. Our buddy Carl. See ya. And the wonderful Superfly. Thank you. Good night. Bye. 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 Telemetry lost.